hand him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Welcome, my friends. Yes, it is July, and uh, we're doing kind of the sci-fi month here, although it's bug-related. And we decided that, uh, well, I decided anyway, that I wanted to talk about the latest MCU film. Yep, we talked about Infinity War. That's done. That's still in the theaters in some places, along with Black Panther still. But there's another MCU film out that just came out this past weekend, and it's Ant-Man and the Wasp, the sequel to Ant-Man, and this one is also directed by Peyton Reed, and I've got a great crew with me tonight to talk about uh, this interesting superhero film. First off, he is here with us in the spoiler room himself. It is Mr. Derek Carey. Hello, Derek. How are you? I'm good, Mark. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. And next to Mr. Derek Carey is the diva of the spoiler room. It is Miss Dawn. Hello, Dawn. How are you? Good evening, Mark. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. Glad glad you could make it tonight to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And next to Dawn, it is the one, the only, it is the BFD, Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Sup, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We're starting this off great. (laughs) Don't jump and sniff the glue for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it looks like I picked the stop. Picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. Uh, <laughs> Who stops? That's just silly. He <laughs> just take breaks, right? Don't call me Shirley, Mark. Yes, I won't. I won't call you Shirley <laughs> until the shit hits the fan. Anyway, so Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes, is the sequel. And uh, Derek, do you want to give the synopsis? Um, sure. I was not. Uh prepared for this but yeah <laughs> let's let, let's go for it um go for it otherwise this, i can read it off of ibn too no no let's let's try and see if i if i can schlub my way through this um i saw it last week let's see if my booze addled brain can can handle this menial task um this takes place after the events of civil war where ant-man is now and i forget what's his name in this in this world scott lang Scott Lang. Scott Lang is now under house arrest for the events that happened and transpired in Civil War. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Hank Pym and Hope Pym uh, arrive and need his help because there is a new threat out there um, attempting to kill or to steal their tech. And they, they, no, okay, I'm totally messing this up. No, he he has a dream in which he sees Hank Pym's wife, who's been yes. lost in um, what is it, the subatomic zone? Yeah, the, the and he fam- contacts yeah. Pym out of the blue to say, "Hey, I know this is weird," uh, and it totally <laughs> sounded like an you're you're getting a hold of your ex girlfriend type call. But um, he's like, oh, I had a dream about your wife, and it was it seemed really real. 
And uh, Hank Pym and his daughter were running an experiment at that exact moment. So, of course, it means synchronicity. They're a team again. They're back together, shrinking, getting big, attempting to rescue Hank Pym's wife, who is Michelle Pfeiffer. And, of course, another threat comes into the fold. This girl who phase shifts in uh, into different can, – can go through matter, isn't really, like, solid herself – and uh, they start fighting, and then there's other people that are trying to steal Hank Pym's stuff. And uh, <laughs> Scott Lang is still involved with the ex-cons who are trying to run a security place. And they're in hijinks, and it, it all culminates into a bunch of slapstick nonsense that goes on for two hours that was incredibly fun. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of it. I, I It's kind of a meandering <laughs> plot. It kind of goes all over the place. The whole point of it is they're attempting to rescue Hank Pym's wife from the subatomic realm. Yeah, that is at its core, and this plays out almost like a a, a version of Mad 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 World, where the it's just uh, they can never quite accomplish their task because things seem to be getting into the way one way or the other. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not the a deep film, but I think this was a a good film to follow up with after the uh, the anger that was Infinity War. <laughs> Um, why think, is it anger mark well, why no, do you no, say anchor. it was anger i said anchor because it was so heavy it was it was a oh. heavy film you know oh. uh emotional anchor you know that just wiped out a lot of people so <laughs> then you get this one which is a lot of fun at least i thought so uh don what did you think of ant-man uh and the wasp your initial reactions uh initial reaction i i thought it was a great action adventure almost bordering on buddy cop movie which is fantastic because like the first one it did not have the feel of a comic book movie and that's what makes these movies so good yeah it's it's why i like these these stand what i call the standalone films the ones that aren't you know deeply entrenched in the the main arc through three phases and 17 films you know i mean it's in the same world so they do touch on it and it has been affected but it's it does stand you don't have to see the other films outside of maybe ant-man to follow i think most of the stuff that goes on in here glenn how about you uh, your initial reactions with ant-man and the wasp it was fun <laughs> man a few words that's why i always love you glenn uh <laughs> And how about you, Derek? Did it? Did you enjoy it? Did it kind of surprise you, considering you know what how Infinity War played out? Um, Infinity War was was and is my favorite movie of the year. Sure, it, it hands down. It was a comic book fan's wet dream. Like mm-hmm. I, I could not believe how phenomenal that movie was. And following that up with this. I was expecting an extreme drop off. I liked the first Ant-Man movie. I don't think it's anything super special, but it's fun. I had a good time with it. And this movie knocked it so far out of the park that I was smiling and laughing the entire time. This was a great movie. I think that Marvel right now is just knocking it out of the park. They are on fire right now with these movies. I don't know who they've got in their stable that are just like they've got rid of all of the fat 
And all they're doing now is cranking out good movie after good movie after good movie. And I hope it continues because this was awesome. <laughs> I, I didn't expect it to be this good. Yeah, I, I expected it to be fun, but I thought it would taper off as well, like many sequels do, and especially with the majority, with many of the comic book, you know, sequels that we got, the second film after the, you know, the, the origin one, if you will, uh, of the films. I thought this would taper off. And this one, it, I loved it because it was a complete, it was a completely different movie than the first one, but it still had all that fun that I enjoyed. And, you're right. I mean, this year has been solid for the MCU, though this one I think I, I enjoyed more than Infinity War. Mm. Um, uh, but that's because uh, that's just me. Like I said, I like the standalone films that aren't quite so entrenched in the uh, the Avengers storyline, if you will, that 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 arc that's been carried through the main uh, body of the phases, the, most of the phase film, you know, one, two and three films. Um, well, and now four, I guess we're in. Um, but for me, yeah, I just, I had a, so much fun with this from start to finish. And I was worried, oh, maybe they, they aren't going to be able to get me. But no, they had me laughing pretty much right away uh, in this film. And I was like, well, how are they going to tie it to the others? Which we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, how this does actually still fit in. Uh, with the events that have happened in previous uh, MCU films this year. So, but for me, yeah, I, I think uh, Paul Rudd really uh, in this one, in the first one, of course he was the title character. So he's in it more and here he is still in it, but we have uh, Evangeline Lilly as hope uh, coming front and center as the wasp. And uh, Glenn, how'd you feel about uh, hope uh, and her wasp? Oh, she was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just um, I think she plays the character well. I think she has great chemistry with uh, with Scott. So, yeah, her and her and Paul Rudd really have some fun moments in here, and uh, she got to shine in this. Actually, it was kind of Ant Man taking a little bit of a backseat to her, wouldn't you say, Glenn? Scott Scott is not uh, he's not a trained fighter. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, no, uh, the wasp is, she, she's, she's the muscles. Uh, he's the, the, Comic kick. <laughs> <laughs> she's also kind of the brains. So he's there for comic relief. <laughs> yes. In a lot of ways. Don, how'd you feel about, uh, hope Van Dyne? I liked the way they did it. It was very much, here's a parallel, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, mm-hmm. where she was, even though he's the title character-ish, you know, build first, um, she's the one that did all the kick-ass. Right. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he held his own much better than Kurt Russell did in Big Trouble in Little China, but it was the... Yeah, another. She, case. she was definitely the hero, and he was the sidekick. Yeah, it was it was more her film, especially considering it was dealing with her her mom and her dad. That and Ant Man is just he's there as a component, but definitely uh, it is more of the Wasp's story in this, which I really liked. I thought it was really cool angle to take uh, with it. Derek, how about you? I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I I kind of felt like the two titular characters 
didn't get enough screen time. <laughs> There's just so many dynamic characters in this movie and now in this Ant-Man world that they've created that um it almost does feel like one of those Avengers movies. Like there's a ton going on at all time. My main thing was they allude to this romance between the two of them. Right. That happened in between the first movie and this movie. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, what? What did I fucking miss? Where is this? This is some bullshit. Why? They're talking about, you know, all the old times of them kicking everybody's ass and the, the, this romance they had and all this shit. And I'm just like, wait. Did we miss a whole fucking movie? <laughs> Where's this shit? Um, so that would be my only complaint was that they shortchanged us a fucking movie. Um, but I loved her. I wanted more. I wanted more of both of them, but I still, I guess I just want to see another Ant-Man movie. I just, <laughs> I loved it so much. I just, I could have used more of everything. So yeah, I loved it. They they were given people equal time, but at the same time, there's like you mentioned, there's so many interesting characters that still have carried over from the first one. Plus, we get introduced to three new main characters. Uh, the one you talked about, played by uh, Hannah John Kamen, the Ava slash ghost. We get uh, Larry Fishburne in here uh, as a, a old associate of Pim's in the form of Bill Foster, and then we also get a uh, um, uh, bad guy in here, if you will, an arms dealer who we find out the Pims have been dealing with uh, to get their uh, their components. So they've been getting stuff on the black market. And yeah, I mean, these three, again, this is the uh, spoiler room, folks. These three individuals pretty much culminate in your villain. But what I find interesting is unlike many other superhero films and i guess it's why i like films like this is they don't quite they don't feel quite like superhero films and this was the same because there's not really a one main villain in here is there derek and the characters what you do find out except for maybe the arms dealer but what you do learn about them i mean you have a little bit of sympathy did did it feel kind of different that the fact that we didn't have like a huge baddie in this I don't think there are any vi villains in this mm -hmm. movie. I think, you know, everybody are opportunists in this universe, mm -hmm. in this Ant-Man world, where they've all kind of done some shady shit, and they're all kind of just working under the cover, and um, they're all just kind of thieves stealing from each other. <laughs> so I really don't think any of them, other than the arms dealer, who obviously was like a mobster. Yeah. You know, so he was kind of a dickhead. But he wasn't even really that much of a heavy because let's let's be honest, everybody else has like superpowers. <laughs> what, can, what can he do? Yeah. So he's kind of played for laughs. Mm -hmm. And um the ghost Ava character, along with Larry Fishburne, who unfortunately uh has some age reduction CGI put to him that makes him look totally weird at one point <laughs> in this movie. Um they are posed as the bad guys, but I don't really think they're bad at all. It's just mm -hmm. she's dying and wants to save herself, yeah. and she's kind of running out of time, so she's kind of frantic and manic. Mm -hmm. And at the end, we end up finding out she's not really a bad person. 
yeah. at all. So this is the the kind of anti bad guy kind of film where everybody in their own ways are kind of dickheads. <laughs> all just trying to like figure out how they can all work together to get right. by. Uh, Glenn, would you agree? There's really no main like big villain in this film. It's just no. Kind of- I mean, I mean, like like. Derek said, I mean, aside from the, you know, the arms dealer. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, she's, you know, uh, ghost is driven just by the fact that, I mean, she's lived her life in intense pain for how long? And, you know, right. she finally has, you know, and now and it's just getting worse and worse and worse and she's going to die. So she, I mean, how many people wouldn't even go to further lengths than she did? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And Don, how about you? Did you feel the same way? Um, yeah, but I'd actually go a step further and throw the police in with in the so-called bad guy crowd because <laughs> it's pretty much everybody who's opposed to or conflicting with um, Hank Pym and Scott Lang and Hope. Right. Yeah. Uh, Versus their, um, you know, Team Ant-Man. Yeah, Team (laughs) Ant-Man. Yeah, you're right. The cops are kind of the bad guys as well. And I think fall in line with what Derek was saying as opportunists because you've got the one guy who is constantly wanting to catch Lang, you know, uh, off of house arrest. I mean, he makes it his mission in life to catch him because he wants to bust him further. And he does it. He's like a comedic caricature of the more serious S.H.I.E.L.D. agents we've seen in the other MCU films. Don, would you you kind of say that the cops in here kind of were almost a parody of or a poke fun at past MCU S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives who were far more serious? Oh, yeah. I mean, and and the choice of casting Randall Park in that in that role, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what he does. Yeah, I I loved his character trying to catch this person, and it felt it felt though like they were making fun of the Shield cops. You know, these guys were like the Keystone cops almost <laughs> in many ways. Derek, how'd you feel about with uh, Randall Park and, and his uh, popo, if you will, the the guys who were trying to capture Scott Lang? What how'd you feel about him and what they did? Cute. It was yeah. all cute. Like that's if there's anything I can say about this movie and the way that the um the conflict brings itself about and all that stuff, it's just it's cute. Yeah. You know, nothing is really heavy in the Ant Man world. Nothing is you you never feel like people are gonna die. Um you kind of feel like everybody's playing practical jokes on each other mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. And uh the cops, uh the agents themselves, uh Every time they were on screen, there were some great jokes that were yeah. had at their expense. And I mean, what was that one scene where, um, cause he's always trying to catch, like, as you said, Scott, um, who has put, uh, who was an enlarged an ant and, and implanted like some mind link thing. So he'll just sit and act like Scott would at yeah, home with ant. his house arrest. <laughs> bracelet on he's always trying to catch scott out of the house and there's a one scene where he's almost done with um house arrest and scott talks him in a circle to where the the cop thinks 
Scott's asking him out for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> where I would just, I was giggling the whole time. I mean, cause they make the cop like such a bumbling idiot. The entire fucking movie. So it's cute. Everything like there's no bad guys in that. They're just everyone's stupid. Everyone's dumb and everyone has a lot of personality. Which which makes me think now that we're talking through this, you look at it. Is this almost a family film <laughs> for your MCU? I think the Ant-Man movies, maybe not the, so much the first one, but this one is almost a kid's movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you agree with that, Don? That it would be a oh, kid's yeah. movie? Yeah. How about you, Glad? Do you agree? Uh, kids movie? Too, is, and is that too light? Or is does the MCU need stuff like this? No, I don't think it's too light. I mean, but I, I mean, I definitely think this could be a kids movie. Um, I mean, there's nothing like that violent in it. There's, you know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, aside from that one scene where the kid goes in the wheelchair down the down the hill and off the cliff into the water. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, what? You're thinking of Mac and me. That's Mac and it's me. Mac and me. I know. <laughs> that's 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 the clip that Paul Rudd shows every time he's on Conan's show for every movie. Oh, that's is it really? He always he always shows that clip every time. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. I mean, down to the which. It was interesting because I could have sworn. Now, forget me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a Hello Kitty Pez dispenser in another Marvel film this year? Was it Infinity War or or Black Panther? I could have sworn I saw another Hello Kitty reference because it just threw me when they uh, did the big Pez uh, uh, gimmick. I, I like. I could have sworn there was a Pez in another MCU film. I didn't know if that was an Easter egg or just a coinkadink, but mm. um, yeah, I liked how they played with those sizes quite a bit. Uh, Glenn, did that give it kind of the feel from the comic on on how much they? I mean, we saw it in the first one, but in this one, they really are using their tech to the full potential. Oh yeah, um, especially especially uh, the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because she's the most familiar with it, I guess. So that yeah. would, um, would make sense. Yes, as long as I don't, as long as I don't try to think about the science of it, it it's <laughs> awesome. Oh come on! With this, with these two films, can you really think about the science of it? I part part of me does, but yeah. then you know, I I have to turn I have to turn that part of my brain off when I watch these. Right. Because you're just like, well, that's not how that works. <laughs> well, it's it's. When you get into the science of the fact, like, you know, if he keeps his, because the theory is that he keeps his his full strength and everything, that as he gets stronger, as he gets smaller, he gets stronger and actually yeah. has more mass. And actually, someone actually worked it out where when he's at, at his, at the size of, of an ant, uh-huh. he's about as powerful as a white dwarf star. <laughs> he, he, he's pretty much impervious to damage. And if he hits sure. somebody, like punch them, he would punch a hole clear through them. Right. <laughs> he also, he also, if he sat on the ground, he would just sink into the center of the earth. And because that... he'd be, because he'd be so dense. <laughs> and that so we, would just, make... we just shut that part of the brain off. Mm-hmm. So I can enjoy, enjoy all the, the quips and 
that stuff. And him using a uh, salt shaker to block a door. And yes. A flying Hello Kitty Pez dispenser. And, and it's, it's, it's one of the things I love is that they are, in, in this movie especially, it's, they're very adaptive to their environment. Right. Which a lot of heroes, I mean, even those that are supposed to be like super smart at times, are just like, just shoot it. <laughs> just blast things. That's just blast things. That's all you do is blast things. Blast them. Blast them and hit them with hammers and axes, but don't hit them in the head because that would finish the movie too quickly <laughs> and it wouldn't have a sequel. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, they are adaptive uh, with their tools in here. And yeah, you, you, with these films, you do have to turn your brain off, but they have a lot of fun in the gimmicks in this. And Derek, did you feel like this was like an old, almost both the Ant-Man films, but especially this one, this has more of a feel of those kind of fun, campy sci-fi films of old. Would you say that it's got that kind of spirit to it? Oh, well, maybe, maybe in its lighthearted tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm starting to feel like we finally crossed the threshold with the Marvel movies to where they're kind of genreless now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I mean, all you can say about them is that they're superhero movies. Right. Like, I even, like, you had made reference at the beginning of the episode to this not feeling like a superhero movie. Like, this was more of like, the first movie was like a heist movie, and this is right. kind of following along with. I think ever since, um, probably Civil War. MCU now has gotten to the point where these movies are so incestuous with each other mm-hmm. that it's no longer them having to make individual, like totally separate styled movies anymore. Sure. We can all accept that these characters all live in the same universe. They intermingle, they fight with each other, they work together and things pop in and out of the movies and the stories all flowing in and out of one another that I, these are kind of their own thing now. Mm-hmm. I, I sure there are moments where maybe you can, you can reference like an old sci-fi movie or the tonality of a kind of like a slapstick kind of movie. This, this movie reminded me with the, the big and small gimmick that kept happening and how acrobatic it was of like old martial arts movies once it got to be action the action sequences because sure. it was a lot of acrobatic stuff and the the movement of the camera and the of the action and everything it was just so fluid that you just never got sick of watching them just get just shrink and then get big that's like <laughs> the whole thing is they just shrink and get big and everything in this movie shrinks and gets big. That's the big gimmick. And it never gets old. There's not a single thing about it gets old because they're so creative with how they're using it. And they're using it for gags and they're using it for action to show impact and, and even for just grand spectacle of like Hank Pym's lab that's this huge skyscraper that gets shrunk down to a suitcase yeah or when uh scott lang again turns into giant man and because it expends so much energy on him he starts falling asleep (laughs) mid-mission 
I mean, it's just like they they know how to write this, and they're right. doing such a good job with it that I I all I can say is this just kind of feels like the lighthearted old maybe some of the old science fiction that was a little more lighthearted, like the kids' science fiction. Maybe sure. I don't think these feel like anything but comic books now. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've I've said this on other podcasts. I know with you, Mark, is that this has been we're at the point now that I've I've dreamed about since I was a kid mm-hmm. that we finally have comic books that are movies and the movies feel like what I used to read when I was little. Sure. How would you how do you feel about that, Don? Would you agree with that? Uh dis- disagree or whatnot? That these are starting to feel like they're kind of just their own film and like they are the comics now finally come to life and uh, not trying to be something other than that. Could be. (laughs) I, um, they're definitely, they've definitely evolved. Sure. Um, they're, go ahead, sir. I guess, I guess I'll have, uh, I guess that all I can do is wait and see what the, what comes next because um derek is definitely right with infinity war everything has changed and the tone has changed and what they're doing with the movies have changed yeah so yeah it it has and how about the gimmick with the large and big i mean that is what kind of ant-man is did that ever get old for you not at all visually Mm -hmm. that was amazing um the only (laughs) Uh, walking out of there, the mm-hmm. only complaint, and he admitted he was uh, nitpicking, was uh, we were talking about how the subatomic realm wasn't exactly parallel to what what was expected based mm-hmm. on the comic books. Oh, um, okay. But, again, nitpicking. <laughs> uh, otherwise, everything was just stunning and mm-hmm. it no it did not get old don just because i'm i'm not super familiar with the ant-man comics i never read them what is the big difference between the subatomic realm in the movies in the comics oh i didn't say that that was sheldon oh, oh what did i mean do you yeah. do you know it did sheldon say anything to you about it only that it was different but he wasn't but every that it was all done so well that the only reason he brought it up was because there was a difference, mm. but he didn't really bitch about it. So <laughs> I didn't ask real far. Are you familiar with it at all, Glenn? The subatomic realm in Ant Man. A little, not a lot. Because mm-hmm. not, not like not like super familiar with it. I just I know that there are. Theories and and there's been speculation and stuff like that on a lot of stuff. Is the whole some someone like Hank Pym or or Scott, if he can harness the power, or Janet with she and she's been like absorbing the power. Um, the whole subatomic and the quantum, the quantum level and everything. Um, the power of that is um, could make them the most powerful person in the Marvel universe. Right, and they kind of played at that with uh, Mrs. Pym when she came out. It was like, uh, oh, she may be a major player later on. (laughs) 
with those powers that she has from the mm. subatomic. Um, uh, which I, I, I dug the subatomic level quite a bit. I thought that was portrayed really well. Uh, and I think they could get away with something like that and showing that after the first Ant-Man. And then especially after showing the different realms in Dr. Strange, you've got that audience comfortable enough now. So you could do something that I'll say is kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> with the little mites being monsters. Huh? Tardigrades. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, with you know, you get that seed where they're about to eat Hank Pym while he's in the pod going after his wife because they finally track her down. Uh, and you know, you can get away with that, I think, by now because yeah, as Derek said, we have true comic book films now. Now they feel they feel like they it, it feels like they have the freedom now to actually do right from page to screen. <laughs> And people will still buy into it, whereas maybe when they first started, they were trying not to do that as much, maybe, um, to try to ease your audience into it. And then, uh, you know, which means you might even get some more outrageous comics later on. I'm still waiting for my ROM comic, though. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but with this film, yeah, it's it was interesting with the Quantum Realm and everything and and I dug that I dug that she absorbed energy you know they had consequences for her for being in the quantum realm for so long uh and uh, yeah it, it it it's a fun movie it, it's got a lot of great elements in it and uh one of the things I want to talk about though is let, let's talk about uh we're jumping around a bit but the the final credit sequence because it, this film takes place before kind of before during infinity war which um, I thought it was interesting where they placed this, but uh, what are your thoughts, Dot? I'll, I'll get it for you first, and then I'll, uh, we'll go to the rest. But uh, what were your thoughts with that that mid credit sequence to where he's in the quantum realm, and then suddenly it happens that event that happened at the end of the Infinity War, the culling, if you will. Uh, so what- yeah, they uh, I could hear people in the audience going, what just happened? What just happened? Oh my gosh, what just happened? And I looked at Jacoby and I said, wow, that just happened. That really hits you in the feels there. (laughs) Wow, that took you right there to the end of Infinity War. Yeah, you're having fun and enjoying this. Scott's pulled out a collector to grab quantum energy and suddenly there's nothing on the other end of the radio. And we realize now where in the timeline this was. Glenn, did you like this mid-credit sequence? Did it? Did you think it kind of was interesting how they brought it back to the feels? I, I did like it for the most part. Although there's part, part of me that used my brain too much and thought again too much <laughs> of the... Uh, damn it, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the... Thanos, you know, it's like, you know, half the people were, you know, half people gone. And it's, uh, it seems to hit a lot closer to like 75, 80% for the heroes that are gone. <laughs> all, all the new people. <laughs> all, all the new ones. Now, I mean, I can't think too much about that because, you know, if Thanos had half the brain he's supposed to have, he would have said, okay, 50% of all the people. Um, and we're going to make sure that all of the heroes are part of that 50%. Yeah. All, all you know. <laughs> But yeah, no, I still like the scene. I mean, and 
the second he goes in there, I already started thinking about it. Well, Scott's going to get trapped because they're going to all turn to dust, aren't they? And sure enough, I'm like, yep, awesome. <laughs> that was great. I, I like that they did it. And yeah, it ties it in. Because that was a big question with Infinity War is, well, where's Ant-Man? Yeah. What the hell's Ant-Man doing? Like, probably under arrest because I don't think <laughs> I don't think he ever got not out of trouble from helping out Captain America. <laughs> and apparently, you know, house arrest is too hard to come out of when the entire universe is at stake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to get Derek's uh, thought on this mid-credits sequence, and then I, I'll give my thought as well, because it was the one thing that I thought was cool, but there was some questions. Derek, how about you with the mid-credits sequence? Did you enjoy it? Did you like how it brought it back all around to to where it took place in the timeline? I went to this movie with a friend of mine that I've known for almost 20 years now and she had not seen infinity war oh <laughs> and when that credit sequence hit she looked at me like what happened what was that and i looked at her and said oh you didn't see infinity war <laughs> and she said well of course not and i'm like well do you want me to ruin that entire movie for you <laughs> and she's like no 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 i'm like good it was awesome I, I I honestly wasn't expecting it. I totally forgot. I just enjoyed the movie, and I totally forgot that at some point this had to tie into Infinity War. So when it happened, I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, which it, that's the way it was with me too. You know, I when I was with Glendo when they were saying, "Okay, we're gonna send him in to the quantum realm to you know ca- you know absorb this energy," I'm like. Oh, okay. I know where they're going with it. And they went there and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, but does that mean that while he was in the quantum realm, he was protected from Thanos because all the new guys got killed except him? Um, you know, I, I, I think he did not, not, uh, because he is technically in an alternate, almost like a, it's, it's the quantum realm. He is everywhere and nowhere. And sure. every time and no time. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's he's. It's, this is the thing that Scott could play a huge part in the next movie because of the fact that where he is, he can kind of, if he can focus it, come out anywhere or any time. Sure. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting then if how they play that then because uh, yeah, that's what I kind of figured too. He was in the quantum realm, so yay, they spared one of the new guys. Yay. <laughs> but it did have me questions because you had the events going on in like New York, the big spaceship showing up in that, you know, it's not addressed here. And I know it's because we're, we're focused on the characters who are on the run, but you would have thought they would have came across a headline at one point. You know, that was the only thing that I was like, it was like isolated from that timeline till it wasn't. And I'm like, hey, would they sit there be doing quantum realm stuff? If you know, you would think news of the the Thanos battle would be traveling uh, the world. Um, that all happens. It's this is all this whole movie takes place simultaneously. Sure. Okay. So it's not it's not like time has passed. This is like the, I mean the the end end sequence of Infinity War when in the end credits when you have um, motherfucker uh, Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. And, yeah. And, yeah. 
and her and uh, Colby Smulders disappear. That's happened the exact same time that this uh, end credit scene for Ant Man happened. Sure. Oh, and, and I get that, but I'm still. I mean, the battles happened before that, so you would have thought maybe they heard at least something of it. But well, I'm wondering if maybe there was a, a larger amount of time that transpired between the end of this movie and that credit sequence. Oh, sure. That I like. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, there is. So maybe you know that's when the Infinity War is happening. Sure. Is during that? I don't know. I'm just throwing no, it out there. I'm just excited. If, if all of a sudden now Ant-Man becomes this complete badass and him and Captain Marvel come in to kick fucking Thanos in the dick, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm fucking so ready for this. <laughs> which which leads me to my my final question for the evening. Um, you know, Glenn, we'll start with you. Where do you see it go from here? I mean, no, we we know we got a Marvel a Miss Marvel film, which is in the 90s. I think we've got another Spider-Man film before the next Infinity War. How can you have a Spider-Man movie before Infinity War? I, you I'm can. not. I, I'm not well, sure. You I, can't. Oh yeah. Well, if it's no, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense at all. I well, let me see. Uh, it, I it might be wrong when the next Spider-Man Homecoming is coming out. It might be after Infinity War. It's um, got to be. Well, that release date is July. 5th 2019 for Spider-Man Homecoming 2 and Infinity War 2 is going to be uh 2019 May okay yeah there you so, go so there, there you, you go. go so that's how So we know Spider-Man out. comes back <laughs> right so you know I mean that's <laughs> well see and and that's what I was thinking too but they read it I read in a recent art interview they said well now the movies after this may not be playing in order, which I was like, now you're going to go against your grain <laughs> in this. So, you know, the hinting at that the next Spider-Man film is, and it could be just part of their marketing ploy to tell you, you know, uh, that the next Spider-Man film, uh, Homecoming 2, you know, Far From Home or whatnot, actually takes place before the events of Infinity War, which, you know, I think... Would yeah, be I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I think doing that would be kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Especially because then you are going, I mean, it's one thing to go, you know, change things a little bit from the comic, but then you're completely changing and going away from the original Infinity War comic. Right. In that, in that one, I mean, Thanos, you know, in that one too, he, he, you know, snaps his finger and half the people are gone and blah, blah, blah. And then in the, in the comics, it's uh, Nebula who eventually puts yeah. everything back to normal. Right. But, yeah, well, I remember that scene in the comics with Spider-Man. He's swooping through the streets, and all of a sudden, half the people disappear. Because in that one, it opened with the where I started from. It opened with Thanos trying to woo Lady Death, and he snaps his fingers, and, and it's like Spider-Man watches like half the people disappear on a New York street, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" The fact that they didn't enter not to cross contaminate this with Deadpool talk. The fact that Lady Death didn't come into the fold in that movie. Yeah. To start building into this, it flabbergasts me. <laughs> I just I, I that is the one thing if I'm going to say anything about Deadpool that just like they totally shit the bed on mm-hmm. is not bringing Lady Death into that movie in yeah. some way to start building that into this Thanos thing. 
Well, yeah, because you you could have brought Lady Death in, and that's how you could actually pull Deadpool. Now that Disney owns Fox, uh, yep. Deadpool, Deadpool into the regular MCU along with the X Men, um, which is would be interesting to see how they do that. Uh, I mean, can you imagine, Mark, if after they they clear this Infinity War stuff up, you have Lady Death introduced, and then you bring you introduce uh, Thanos into the Deadpool movies via Lady Death, and Thanos becomes a comedic character. Oh jeez. How amazing is that <laughs> is that gonna be? You start having those those comic uh storylines where Deadpool and Thanos are basically going toe to toe because sure. they both wanna they both wanna do Lady Death. <laughs> That's gotta be Deadpool three. That's gotta be fucking Deadpool three. Don, how about you? What are you looking uh how do you see this? played out forward and what do you think you know with the upcoming movies uh just where are they going from here besides i know infinity war 2 but uh you know just in general your feelings for the 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 future films coming up with hmm, anytime the time spit stone and dr strange is involved anything is possible sure anything Mm -hmm. at all Ye old time travel, the the universal retcon tool of of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the next one, I think, is Miss Marvel, isn't it? The next one's going to be? Uh, that's one before Infinity War 2. Uh, so you looking forward to that one, Don? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. See, and, and, I'm at, and I'm at a loss because I... Don't really follow DC, so these a lot of these characters are all new to me. <laughs> you mean Marvel or Marvel DC? Uh, you know. <laughs> well, the thing is with with her is that she's potentially like one of the top five most powerful characters in the entire Marvel universe, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she's going to play a huge role, right. in this next movie. Yeah, it's so, and then for me, like I said, I'm not familiar with most of these characters. Well, even in the DC one, I, I stuck to like a handful of comics from both, uh, followed more DC than Marvel. So for me, this is all fresh stuff. So, you know, going into these, these movies, I, I'm kind of liking this because I'm not familiar with these characters, though I do feel bad because now that MCU is so established, they bring in these characters and you, you get that half the audience just gasps like, Oh my God, that's her. And the other half go, huh? Like the end of Infinity War, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of like it, it, it here a little bit, uh, you know, with uh, not so much an Ant-Man versus the, and the Wasp. But, uh, you know, so for me, these are fresh for me, a lot of these characters. But uh, Glenn, how about you and, and the, the future movies coming up? Uh, how do you see them handling going forward? Do you think that they're going to stick to this kind of their own genre thing? Uh, what, what what are your thoughts with the future upcoming films? Um, they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, depending on how they do it, because I mean, it, it, in the time frame that they're doing it, I mean, she is like insanely powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I mean, like when Kedemar was at the height of her power, she could have just bitch slapped Thanos all across the room and 
like one handed. So yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting how they play this because, um, and and also the fact you know they'll, they'll have to explain why she's not around. Sure. Come come you know twenty years uh, twenty eight years later, uh, what she what what she what happened to her? So it'll be interesting to see what they do with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like a lot of this stuff, I mean, I'll, I'll see what they do. I mean, uh, they, they have a lot of potential to do a lot of cool things. Right. Um, and I hope they keep doing what they've been doing, which is the going with the general, general premise of the comics, but not following completely because, uh, one, it, 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 for someone like me, who's read some of these comics, it, it gives me something else to look forward to of the, I don't know exactly everything's going to happen. Mm. Right. Um, but also because the people who are the huge uh, mega, mega fanboys who, you know, cry over this shit, uh, their tears are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. And I think on that note, we're going to end it for the night. Cause that, I love that quote. That should be on a t-shirt. I think, um, <laughs> So why don't we just go down the line and uh, you just give your final thoughts with Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp. And I think uh, we know what your feelings are, but let's just go down the line, give your final thought on it. And, and if you recommend it, you know, what audience would you recommend it to? Uh, so let's start with uh, Derek. Go ahead and just your final quick thoughts with it and uh, who you would recommend the film to. Uh, if you liked Ant-Man 1, you're going to like Ant-Man 2. You like Marvel movies. This is in the top tier of the Marvel movies. So I recommend it to anybody that likes any of these movies. You like these movies? This is for you. It's a fucking really super fun movie. So that's it. Don, how about you? Your final thought with uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. Do you want Wasp to have her own film? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Without a doubt. I think um, they could pull it off, too, with her. So... Yeah, but it it would never happen because you need both of them together. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sadly, but you want good movie about the Baba Yaga. <laughs> Watch Ant Man and Wasp. <gasps> Ooh, the Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga. That's <laughs> true. We did. We did. That we was a to, fantastic shtick. We we have to mention the shtick. The the trio are back. Are three thieves. Uh, well, who are now security guys. Yeah, it was great seeing them back. And they still used uh, Michael Peña's uh, character. Uh, his shtick was storytelling, but it wasn't overused, which I kind of was worried about that they were going to beat that joke. But they used it, I thought, really well in this. It was so funny. It was so funny. You know, you the not-truth the... serum. The not-truth serum, yes. Oh, truth serum. It is truth. No, it's, it's not. It's not truth. <laughs> Which which adds to that feeling of that this is a family film because even when you get to the supposed torture, you know, get the information out of them, it's just a complete comical hurt your side laughing scene with the debate on true serum. <laughs> you think it's going to be this heavy scene and all of a sudden it just, oh, yeah, I love Michael Pena, though. Uh, Glenn, how about you? Your final thoughts with uh, Ant-Man and Wasp and uh yeah, how who would you recommend it to? Um, I would recommend this to anyone that has a pulse. Um, <laughs> it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun. Um, mm. It's it's got a, a great amount of humor. It's got some camp. It's just it's just a, a 
you're you're gonna be laughing almost the entire movie to some degree. Some some just simple chuckles, some wholehearted belly laughs. It's just a, such a fun movie. Yeah, it, the audience I saw it with. It's been a while since I've been in an audience. I think well, Thor and Ragnarok had it to where your whole audience is just laughing and you're just continually laughing and chuckling and snickering throughout the whole film. Mark, we didn't even talk about the funniest scene in the movie where Scott gets stuck in a small state, in a smallish state. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. To infiltrate oh, the high school we can, or, the, or the school or whatever. Like I said, we ju- we're jumping around anyway. Yeah, let's talk about that quick with the, with the, little, with the little and the big of him shrieking and beating school and the jokes they ran with that. Uh, I loved that. That was so unexpected. Yeah. Because of the malfunctioning suit. Uh, when he was like a quarter size, a third size or something like that. He was with the hoodie. He was just such a, like a kid. Uh, it was like the non, it was the non filthy version of the Deadpool half body gimmick from yeah, Deadpool 2. It was, it was yeah. the non filthy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It was. Uh, <laughs> It, the the only scene that had me, I think, laughing almost as hard. Uh, what'd you think, Don, of where Paul Rudd was embodying the mom? You know, <laughs> I was very grateful that they didn't have him try to kiss Michael Douglas. Yes, that's really that's really <laughs> all I could think was. Please don't do that. Please oh, don't do that. I and wish they would. God. I wish they would have done. That would have been so tender. God. <laughs> I thought Paul Rudd played that very well, though. He, he really did. <laughs> oh yeah, and just just with a, with simple glances. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the, and then the stroke of the cheek. And... <laughs> yes. And grabbing grabbing to the hand and. The whole shtick where he embodied his wife was hilarious. And yeah, you're right. They played it just enough, but they didn't do all the tropes that you get of when a female's in a guy's body or a guy's in a female body um type of trope. So yeah, that was that was that that scene had the whole audience just rolling the whole time. <laughs> Cause Kirk uh, Michael Douglas just sells that so well too. Like just so disturbed by it, but uh, yeah, lots of fun. Uh, definitely recommend it to just about anyone. You don't even have to. Let's put it this way: I would recommend you see the first Ant Man, but this is almost a film you could walk in and catch most of the stuff even without seeing the other films. Though so, uh, you would miss some references, but I think it stands on its own as well. Um as a film where you can walk in and watch it though. Again, you should probably see the first one at least, but you don't necessarily need to see all the other MCU films to get the jokes and get what's going on in this movie. Cause I think they explain it and set that up really well, which surprised me uh, because that's my one concern with this huge MCU universe. They do is that you're going to have to see all the other films to enjoy them. Um, and I understand it for some of these movies because they're part of the main arc, but some of the other movies, uh, I, I like them better when they're not quite so buried into it. But that's just me. I know I'm I'm in the minority on that. So uh, <laughs> I want to thank my panel uh, for joining me. 
and talking about this. Don, did you have something to add? No. Oh, I thought you. I thought you said so. So, so this is the part now where uh, my wonderful crew, who are very patient with their babbling host, uh, get to shill themselves and tell you what they're doing and where you can find them. And Derek, why don't you go ahead and let folks know where they can find some of your uh, music stuff going on. Um, I have a Patreon page uh, for a podcast I'm going to be doing very soon called All the Gimmicks. If you go over to patreon.com forward slash all the gimmicks, you can go there and catch some of our preliminary podcasts for only a dollar a month. One measly fucking dollar a month. You can do that. It's, I mean, it's probably hanging out in your co- your couch cushions or in your car, just been in, in a bin somewhere, probably on your floor. There's four quarters sitting there. Go over there. I got music that I'm creating over there. I have podcasts. There's over 60 podcasts for you to listen to, ranging all, from the new stuff all the way back to the old Astro Radio Z stuff. So um, for right now, that's all I have going on until we finally drop uh, this new podcast, hopefully in the next month or two, called All the Gimmicks. Awesome. And Don, you you got stuff out there. Let people know where they can read your stuff. Sometimes you can find me at intheaudience.net. Yes, she she is very well done. She she does the written word better than I can speak or write. So please check out those reviews. Uh, some awesome stuff. And Mr. Glenn Bittner, tell all these fine folks where they can find you all at. Well, right now I'm in my room. And you don't want to come here because I'm not even wearing pants. Um, other than that, you might you get can... some people there, though. You know, turn on your webcam, <laughs> please. All right. <laughs> um, oh God! <laughs> what? what do you mean? Oh God! I <laughs> <laughs> you know you love this. Um, you can find me on Facebook and on Twitter as Guy in a Bunker and Guy in a Bunker Productions. Same thing on YouTube. Though I don't do much on there as of late because YouTube's a dickhead. Um, and you can also find my gaming podcast at gncast.com. That is the adventure party I do with the uh, amazing Brad Ludwig. That's all. Awesome stuff. Yes, links for all their stuff is on specialmarkproductions.com. Thank you so much again for listening to us talk about this film. Uh, we got some more insect fun coming up this month, so stay tuned in the spoiler room. And now, I guess well, let's just say goodnight, everyone. Say goodnight. Goodnight, everyone. Goodnight, everyone. Goodnight, everyone. Goodnight. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies. <laughs>